0: Hello, 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 beautiful listeners. I am excited about that song, that opening. Woohoo! Drian really did a, a, a amazing thing there because I'm looking forward to going deep down again with some deep concepts. And whoa, that first episode today was deep and intense, and I hope enjoyable to you. The second episode is a little more controversial because for the very first time, In the entire history of this show, my guest and I have a conversation that took us to that place. We talked about COVID. We talked about thoughts about COVID. We talked about our frustrations about COVID and the whole situation. We talked about history repeating itself and We talk about things using citations and references to materials from a scientific perspective because both her and I are trained scientists, different kinds of scientists, but we are both trained. That's important for you to hear. And this disclaimer, especially since there are policies in place for Anchor and other sources where you might be hearing this, Spotify, etc., where there we are not to spread misinformation. We are not spreading misinformation. We are sharing a big picture analysis of the situation. In, March, I published an article on my blog, which I have linked in the information, so in case you want to go look at it, where I pull the numbers from the CDC website, and I link to that page, which is updated regularly. So the numbers I bring up in the article were based on February, March data, but the numbers have come down. So I point out a mortality rate of 1.28% in the United States, that's of people diagnosed with having COVID, not of the entire population. This is from the CDC's website, therefore it's not misinformation. In every case where I talk about things, I use sources that the media has accepted as the official sources. And I talk about those numbers in terms of how they have been used to shape society and treat people. Enough of the article, I don't wanna go there (laughs) any more than I have to. You can read it for yourself or not, you don't have to. You can stop listening, knowing that I've given this disclaimer and the episode, a portion of the conversation does talk about COVID. Now, the whole of the conversation does not. That's only about 10 or 15 minutes of the conversation. And we really get into our frustrations over the practices of the mass trauma event that has been COVID. We talk about how people who don't do the research themselves are just taking whatever is told to them as truth. And I'm not saying that it isn't truth, but it isn't necessarily the whole of the truth. For instance, I have been greatly discriminated against by medical professionals and organizations that work towards equity because I'm not vaccinated. I am not vaccinated because I have a history personally of nearly dying from taking new medication vaccinations have nearly killed me on more than one occasion. I'm also that person that the vaccination doesn't do anything in most cases. It doesn't prevent me from getting most illnesses as someone who had uh, the measles twice after being vaccinated. So for me to have a greater than 50% chance of dying or being severely injured or becoming severely sick from a vaccine that I'm just not willing to risk taking when the mortality rate rests continually at 1.28% or under 2% even internationally, 1.48% internationally as of March. I am not going to take that risk. Being vaccinated will not prevent Me from getting the virus, which I already had, by the way. It will not prevent others from getting the virus, as is the case when you look at hospital records, and even the CDC says that it doesn't prevent you from getting the virus. The virus is not going anywhere. It is part of our existence. And if we continue to treat people who are not vaccinated as though they are less than or somehow a problem, we will continue down a road of discrimination. Mandatory forcing of people to be vaccinated, despite having reasons personally or medically about why they shouldn't or can't be vaccinated is a societal problem. Now, someone recently told me that it's not discrimination to be treated differently because of not being vaccinated. It's only discrimination if you're treated differently because of race. Clearly that person does not understand what discrimination is if they're defining it solely in terms of racism, which is differential treatment based on race or ethnicity. Discrimination in general is the maltreatment of another person based on some category or characteristic to which they Hold. To deny someone access to healthcare, to force someone into a virtual only category that denies access to full aspects of an event are both discriminatory practices that take away from equality and equity. Yes, it's not a fact of existence that I wear on my face and I respect that. And it may not prevent me from having successes. However, it does prevent me from having networking with my colleagues or from receiving a proper physical exam because in the case of my medical exam this year, she conducted basically the entire thing on the phone and came in for five minutes and rushed through the stuff she had to do physically. So I don't feel like I actually got a physical exam this year. She says that was the best she could do. The, vac- the virus doesn't care if someone's vaccinated or not. People are going to get it either way. there are better ways to handle things. I don't really want to go further into a discussion on that here. There may be an episode where I have a conversation with someone where we do. I wanted to give this disclaimer so you know that a portion of the conversation with the beautiful Christina Boshaman, her and I have thoughts about how all of this has come down. And we, to some degree, agree on it. And we see the bigger picture of social control and discrimination. And we found that common ground and
1: talked about it. I don't ask you to necessarily believe what we're talking about,
0: but I ask that you listen and consider the possibility that there's something bigger in the world than simply what is being presented in mainstream media. I mean, even recently, the head of the CDC did say that this was a virus that wouldn't be going anywhere anytime soon. So what we're gonna do about that, I don't know. But all I can tell you is it really hurts to be in a world where I can't make a choice about my medical care without being denied access to some other aspect of my life. And on that note, please enjoy the conversation, take it in the spirit it was discussed
1: and have a beautiful day. Christian author Jeff S. Bray brings
0: you his latest novel, The Transference, a crime suspense thriller about a team of detectives in search of a serial killer that won't die. Visit his website for more information on this book and others he has written. Visit Jeff Espray author today. That's Jeff JeffSbrayAuthor.com. Thank you for your support.
1: Good day, my beautiful,
0: lovely, wonderful listeners. I'm so happy you're with us again. And we have a new segment now or another segment. I have a friend here from you live in New York State, right? Am I remembering yep. that? From yeah. New York State talking about who knows what? I have no idea where we'll we're see. Going. <laughs> so Christina, okay. I, I I should have done this before we started. You, youchman, youchman? Beauch- Bocherman. Yeah, I told her I was going to butcher her last name, and I don't <laughs> know why I would never have said Bocherman. but Christina and I, we met in a uh, writing contest a few years ago. We were both finalists. I was proud to come in dead last! woo I one of, the judges, one of the judges just couldn't get what I was doing at all with my memoir, and he, like, he gave me almost zeros on everything, and it was just, oh, really like, yeah, no matter what I did. So um, it actually, is funny because I'm looking at the sign behind you. Oh, and, um,
1: oh the this sign one here, that says yeah. don't wish
0: for it, work for it. And, mm-hmm. I, and it made me think of that contest and that judge who made me work for every point I got from him. Whereas the other two were like, I, if he had given me the same scores as the other two judges, I might've won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I wasn't supposed to win. I was supposed to be dead last. And I'm cool with that. It's a, it's a nice joke. But can we start with talk? First, I, I should ask you to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. And then we can go into this don't wish for it, work for it mentality. We can just start right off with that. Oh, I mean,
2: yes, like, I love yeah, because that's what I like to talk about. You know, I keep this on my desk here. It's just as a reminder. If I am an author and NLP coach, and I've had a crazy life. I worked in corporation for a year. I was the... I oversaw international business for a big manufacturing company. And then I left there and started my own business when I realized my kids were growing up without me. So I was always on an airplane. I was always leaving. And it just one day I had this moment. I called it fo- Coming into Focus. And I'm also a singer songwriter. And I named my CD project Coming into Focus one of them. And, um, but this. Don't wish for it work for it is something that people would ask me questions like they would be like, well, I would like to do a CD project I would like to get a professional contract like how But I don't ever get anything and I'm constantly putting it out there I'm like trying to manifest it. Well, what are you doing to make that happen. Because if you're just sitting laying in your bed saying, boy, I sure would like that for myself, that's not going to happen. You got to take the steps and you got to do it. Like, for instance, I'm working on a project and it's called Manifesting Miracles Together. And this young woman that I do a lot of work with, she's a sweet pie. And um, she was saying, well, you know, manifesting I was listening to this podcast and this girl said that she manifested a cup of coffee, like it just came to her. And I said, okay, how's that work, right? I said, did she get out of bed? And Jana goes, well, yeah, she must have, right? And I said, yeah. So she didn't just do nothing to get that cup of coffee. She got out of bed, she got dressed, she went to the coffee shop, she showed up and somebody just decided to pay it forward. And she just happened to be the person that was there. But she she did her thing. She worked for it. She got up. She did her thing, and she went to the coffee shop. It's really not a huge. There's no magic. You got to do it. You got to work. So I always tell people this. You know, when they ask me how were you able to do it? Well, you know, I made my plan. I set my strategy, and I just put it out there that that's what I wanted. That's what I wished for myself. But I would do the work. Make sure it happened.
0: I always get frustrated people will invite me to do vision boards or or pray for something to happen and i'm like yeah you can make a vision board all you want but that doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't do the work to get the vision to come to reality and like these people that say speak it into existence well you can't speak anything into existence you can no, speak, right yeah you, you can speak it and say i want this or i wish for it or i wanted to have it but if you don't do what you need to do like you could pr- like, if you're a one who prays, you can pray all you want for, for, for your God to make something happen. But if you don't take the steps, it's not going right. to magically fall in your place. So I like, I can pray until I'm blue in the face to be a mom and my body won't let me be a mom. So, right. you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, right. So you look yeah. at that and you'd say, okay, well,
2: what steps can I take to make that happen? OK, right. well, I know my body won't let me be a mom, so let me do my research. Maybe there are, are kids that just need a home for a while, and maybe that would be great. I could give them a home, or maybe I can look into adoption, or right. maybe I could get a surrogate mother. You have to think about all that stuff.
0: Right, yeah. No, and I did, and I went through all of that. And, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know if I told you, I've applied to grad programs for the fall of this year, fall of 2022, so yeah. cross the fingers of one of them. Welcomes me with open arms. uh, Mm -hmm. But I have decided that no matter what happens when my lease ends in June of this year, June, uh, I am leaving this apartment complex that has become a high class slum property, quite frankly. And Mm -hmm. I am finding a place that I could have a spare bedroom that would be for a foster kid and maybe eventually an adopted kid. And I'm going to make the process to become a foster mom because. I think there's lots of kids out there that can benefit from a safe place oh, with yeah. somebody who gives a damn. And I, you know, I I the only thing that's ever had me going is to be a mom and, you know, I wanted my own DNA in the child because I wanted to share the legacy that we have from the historic the heritage. But since that's not obviously going to happen barring some miracle from a god I no longer believe in. <laughs> um uh I figured you know at least I can I have to figure out how to reconcile that but I at least can be a mom to some child who needs a mom and I'd always plan to adopt anyway even with having my own kids so it's just I'm not having my own kids alongside the adoption I'm just adopting kids so yeah yeah that'll
2: be nice I thought of that after my kids when my kids first left home to go to college I grew up with 10 brothers and sisters I was just used to having kids around and then you know went to college and had my kids when I got married and my house seemed so empty when my younger son left because I was the house on the in the neighborhood that all the kids came to and I liked that because I always knew what they were doing. And they would always say, well, even now, I mean, they are, they're all in their 30s. And they send me notes or I'll see them someplace, you know, at a party or something. They're like, oh, some of my best memories were at your house on your three season porch. That makes me feel so good. And I thought about taking in foster kids. But at that point, I was traveling all over the place for my business. You know like i had to leave the house i wasn't available to be there during the day because i was going to client offices all the time and um so what i did was at that point i i was i started teaching voice voice lessons and at a dance studio and i had a great big group of kids there And the the interesting thing is, is I've kept up a relationship with all those kids. There were 14, 15 kids that I worked with for like six, seven years. And those kids are all adults now. They're all like 25, 26, 23, like in that age group. And um, the one young woman that I do a lot of work with that I'm working on the Manifesting Miracles Together with, she's one of my previous voice students. Like I made relationships with these kids. And My husband always says, "Yeah, Gianna's the daughter that you never had," and I'm like, "Yeah, kind of," you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, bringing tears to my eyes for thinking about somebody who was for a while like the daughter I would never have. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. That's it's yeah. It's interesting. It's it's been a really interesting relationship with her because we were just talking about this yesterday. I met her when she was an ele- was eleven, and there was just something about her. She's a little bit of a thing, like black hair and big brown eyes, and if she might be five foot, maybe more like four foot eleven, teeny weeny. I swear her feet are like this big, but um, I liked her. There was some; she was different than the other kids, and she was very quiet and. And I always thought to myself, you know, I'll feel bad, you know, when everybody moves on and goes to college and they all did well. You know, one of the kids sings on Broadway. I I did a pretty good job with most of them. But um, when she first left, because she got accepted into Berkeley then, she went to Berkeley and and I felt bad. I thought, oh, I'll probably never see her again. But then one night she messaged me and she said, I'm home and I'm playing out in Saratoga because Saratoga Springs is about an hour north of here. And I said, great, I'm not doing anything tonight. I'll zip up and and listen to you. And that's kind of when we reconnected again because she was just out of college. Right. And um, we we just started. I started kind of following around when I could, you know, when she was playing out and she played with a band for a really long time. And then when COVID hit, not a really long time, a few years, then COVID hit and all the music got shut down and um, she's back into it now. But since then, because she had come back when she was doing a lot of singing all the time, she had called and said, can we start lessons again? Because I feel like I'm losing some of my technique because I'm not paying so much attention to it. So that's how we ended up working together again. That was a couple of years ago. And, um, and I just love her. She's so sweet. Yeah, nice kid. Nice woman. She's, she'll be
0: 26 soon. And that's important. You know, you've got to um, continue your practice. Like I know some opera level, you know, Big time Broadway level, you know, singers, and they have their master's instructors, they have, they have their lessons once a week with their, their, their instructor who, you know, makes them do the same beginning training, oohs and ahs that, you know, little kids would do like in a first time beginners class. And so, like for when I teach writing or coach writing to people who've been writing for ages, I'll give them these crazy assignments that are like beginner level assignments. And they'll look at me and go, why are you making me do this? I go, because you got to practice your chops. Right. Like, you know, I I'm taking a, a writing class. I'm taking three writing classes this this spring because you know you can never learn too much and never practice too much. And I may be having done writing for 20 years. Um, and be paid by people to help them write and to write. But I still need to practice my skills and continue mm-hmm. to enhance them and grow them. And if we don't do that, if we don't put the work in it in for everything, yep. then we're never going to be last in a contest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love, you know, people are like, oh, you shouldn't tell people you came in last. And I'm like, well, someone has to be last that is so
2: funny though I mean I didn't even I didn't even know that I don't know where I came in in the mix you know I know I didn't come in first but I, I could
0: I could tell you I have the results I have everybody's scores so we they sent all of us the scores I just I, I like as a numbers person I probably I was... just didn't pay attention to them I'm not like I don't care <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like, it's, it, I was a finalist, he picked, you know, me out of, you know, how many her hundred or thousand, he said he got thousands of submissions. I, I don't know um, if I, you know, buy that or not. I, I don't know. But, you know, if, if I was picked as one of six out of thousands, I, th- I think that's pretty good. Sixth place out of thousands is, is, is good enough for me. <laughs> well, that's
2: kind of how I look at everything too. Plus I look at everything as a learning experience. That was a ton of fun doing that contest, you know? And it was, it's like getting, being in the hot seat and really having to be able to explain why you did what you did and make a good presentation and be open to feedback, that's huge. You know, a lot of people really aren't open to any feedback, they don't wanna hear it. Right. And to take it all gracefully.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, when I did it, you know, like there are things that I stood up for, like I wasn't going to change it, but then Mm -hmm. in the conversations from the first round into the second round, I got great ideas that I, you know, I changed the whole back cover because what I originally had was blah, I'm boring. What I now have for my back cover is an invitation. So Mm -hmm. like, and I changed the, you know, the, the entire front cover because the feedback from everybody, they liked it, but it wasn't marketable, and and it and that made sense. So I changed it, and then what I have now, I absolutely love. So right. like, if if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have had a cover that I actually love. It's not that I didn't like the other; it's that it was not what need it needed to be. And so that's what the right. whole thing was about. Would have been much better if COVID had not forced us to be virtual it would have been so I know. much better if we I, were at the retreat center and
2: yeah i i am so much more in in person in oh yeah person person like all the zoom stuff over the last couple of years has it was hard especially because with my business we were out and about all the time and we were on a very fast trajectory and then all of a sudden covet hit and i was like whoa what am i going to do now well you yeah know? and well, happened yeah to redo
0: everything, rejigger everything and figure out how to do it this way. Well, in, in my, for me, I was blessed a bit because a lot of my clients were already all over the world. So I was already doing video chatting and video clienting and, and that. So for me to transition to working virtually was not that difficult compared to others, but my, for me, the, the loss of any kind of human touch like has been horrible and really yeah. traumatic for me. And, you know, for the most part, like I'm at home all the time. I don't go, I have no, for the, for a year I hadn't there, everything was closed. So I couldn't go out to go to places. And I, consequently, I ended up gaining a lot of weight because that even just going out of my house once to go, go to my job at the, to teach at the college and then come back was exercise that helped maintain the weight I was at. But so you get rid of all of that, you get rid of all of that movement and you're home all the time, sitting in a chair all the time, you're going to gain weight. And then when people stop contacting you because they're lost in their little worlds and fine, I I get it. I respect it. Then, you know, you start feeling really alone. It's been a really hard two years. for me. (laughs) Well, I think it has been for everybody. It was sort of like
2: people, like people that I really thought were my friends. I learned we're not, and, and a couple of times it was like, whoa, you know, that really hurts, or, you know, I tried to take the word from, from lonely, because I said, am I really lonely, or am I isolated, do I feel very isolated, like, I was, I was analyzing that all the time, and um, because I'm actually, you know, quite fine on my own, but what I was feeling was that whole, isolation.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: And trying not to buy into the fear as everybody was buying into the fear and trying to stay in that place as the observer, you know, observing rather than being in the middle of it, especially because so much of my work deals with neuroscience and how, how the body reacts and how the mind reacts when there's all this, um Frenetic energy going on around us, and I thankfully I said that kind of saved me in a large part because I didn't get into it, and and I would just be like, okay, well, um, I kind of—that's because my negativity bias is keeping kicking in, and my body is knows it needs to survive, so it's like, everybody's scared, you know, like watch out, oh my god, don't breathe. So and it, so it was very weird. It was very weird for a while. And especially because I really enjoy working with groups.
0: Yeah, no, and so do I And like my, the way I teach is best in a live class, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to teach wearing a mask. So I've told them that like, I'm teaching virtual until you, we don't have to wear masks in the classroom anymore. I mean, this yeah. is just, like, I, that's how it is because I need to see my students' faces or if we're completely online, like that. that's different. It's an online class anyway, so it doesn't matter but like, and people would say, I'm sorry, you're lonely. I go, I'm not lonely. It's not about being lonely. It's about feeling abandoned and feeling yes. isolated. That's a really good word to yes. feel isolated and separated from the rest of the world. That's mm-hmm. what I feel. And alone, alone is not the same as lonely.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: You know, and people don't get that. And, and like, and it, and like, it's first, it's funny because I was a germaphobe for many years. Like, I, like, die hard germaphobe. And this, this, this virus hit that everybody's so afraid of. And I don't under, I still don't understand why, but I mean, I understand why, but I don't understand why, if that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I can I see why, why they're afraid. People don't want to be sick. People don't want to have the chance of dying, even if it's so small, you know, teeny. Um, but like now it's like, why was I so afraid of germs? Like really all germs do is make you sick. And if I get sick, I'll get over it. So why? well, see, this is the interesting thing. Cause my whole life,
2: I was a germaphobe, especially in the wintertime. Right. right? I, mean, yeah, me ago, too. I mean, I was very grateful when this all happened and suddenly people were their signs up, wash your hands, you know, <laughs> cover your mouth when you cough, like my whole life. My kids will tell you when they were growing up, it was like, I'm not going to the mall. There's too many germs there. Don't touch that handle. You know, that guy just sneezed on that mom. Why did you, you know, somebody sneezes and they give you your hand like, really? And but yeah. so when COVID first hit, literally, I have a very long driveway and there's a hill and then it goes down to the road. I couldn't make my feet. I would get to the top of the driveway and my body would freeze. It would not go down the driveway. And so one day I sat down and I said, I I can't live like a prisoner. I was here for two months. My husband had to learn how to do grocery shopping and everything. And so I sat down and I analyzed, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid to die? No. So what is it? And so I just kept like trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden I said, I hate to be sick. Really? That's what you're so afraid of? You hate to be sick? The very next morning I got my car and I drove to the grocery store and it kind of, it has, it's like, I can say I still am always cautious when I'm around people that I know they're sick, but it kind of cured me of that constant like, like, oh dear, somebody's got, they're sick, oh, they're throwing up, oh, they have a cold, like, oh, I don't want to go to the mall, oh, I need to stay away from people, that it's kind of cured me of that because I'm watching what's going on with everybody. And I see how they're not living their lives. And I'm like, you spent most of your life not living your life because you were afraid somebody was going to give you some bug.
0: Yeah. Well, and and, 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 it's not that I worried about getting, not getting a cold or something, but I didn't want to be sick. I didn't, I didn't want, want to be sick and yeah. I didn't want to have like whatever germs they had. I didn't. And, 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 and I think in part, for me, it goes back to my childhood. Well, I know where it comes from. It goes back to my childhood with being a rape child rape survivor and a mother yeah. who was, um, I mean, like I had to clean up after my mother. Like she would eat her, we'd eat in the living room and she'd eat chicken wings and then she'd have it on a plate. and I'd have to pick up after her with her cigarettes and she'd put her chicken bones in her ashtray. <laughs> I, it was just like- and it was like, oh God, this is so gross. And you know, and, and so I and I I I know where it comes from mm-hmm. um, intellectually. But right. but but this whole thing, like everybody, I'm like, wow, did I look like that when I was being like paranoid about getting sick or see, you know, and I wasn't worried about being sick. It wasn't about being sick, it was about the germs. And right, so I didn't like- want to
2: catch anything
0: yeah, I didn't want something I to be to permanent it. or
2: uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't I want- never I didn't like you, I didn't think of the learn long-term effect of it. I just didn't want to get that germ in my body. I didn't want to be around anybody that had germs or I, and it was weird. It was just, and I knew that it was something that made no sense because normally, like I'm very logical I'm very rational. Right, yeah, I'm yeah. very like analytical. and so I never could understand why I felt that way. But I kind of respected it at the same time, kept my kids healthy when they were growing up. They weren't sick all the time because we weren't in the mall all the time. And we weren't going to concerts all the time. I would do all that stuff in the spring, summer and fall, but just not in the winter.
0: Well, and what, what's funny is like, I never let myself not do stuff like I, you know, like I'm that person that when you have a fear, you, you, you tumble through it no matter what. So yep. I'd shake hands with people, and I'd go to events, and I'd touch doorknobs that I knew were whatever. Then I'd go into bathrooms and scrub my hands, <laughs> and 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 it was just like now I'm not one to use and I, I won't use hand sanitizer because yes, that's no. that has chemicals in it that actually there, there's there's I, I always knew that there's good germs and bad germs, and yep. if you if you expose yourself to the good germs, then you don't get sick a lot. And so like I I knew all that, and I I paid attention to that but I would, but I would wash my hands. I would make sure to, you know, get the germs off of me. And I just didn't want to be, you know, that living in that chicken bone in an ashtray type of world. Um, I wanted to be in a world where, you know, it, and it wasn't logical. Like there was that, that is not the same kind of germs as what you exactly. find a sickness. So it was just, it was just very hilarious. And it's like, I, I was, I told my therapist, I'm like, yeah, I have no germaphobia. I don't even care. I'm like, here, waitress, spit in my glass. Okay, I'm I'm kidding kidding a little bit on that. I really don't want somebody to spit in my glass. But like if someone did, I'd be like, eh, whatever now. No,
2: it really, it's just so interesting having worked through all that stuff because I never did. I never spent the time to sit down and say, what is this all about? I mean, like I am somebody, like I said, I grew up on a dairy farm with my hands in the dirt and dirty animals all over the place and everything. And that never bothered me. It was about somebody being sick, giving me a sickness, a sick germ. Because I believe, like I love that book, Um, Eat Dirt, I think it's called, where it, it talks about the immune system. It came out like maybe five, six years ago and how we need all this bacteria. We need all this stuff in our body and it helps us and it helps build a, a, a better immune system and everything. So that's what I said. It was, it was really interesting when COVID first hit and really having the opportunity, like a lot of people went inside themselves and having that opportunity to think it through. Why? Why do I feel this way? Where did that come from? Yeah. Who knows where it came from, but... I've had it since I had it since I was a little kid. And now I'm like, yeah,
0: whatever. Well, you know, so I guess there's some positive. I mean, there has been some positive that has come out the last two years. I mean, we, you know, for years, like I said, I've been doing, you know, virtual meetings with clients and that from all over the world. So now the world knows that we don't necessarily have to have you know, big office buildings with 50,000 people crammed into it, but, and people can work from their home, they can work remotely, they can be in offices all over the world and have remote uh, existences with teams everywhere. So like, so so there has been great benefits. Um, but I, I still worry about the, you know, these these mandates as opposed to options being put out. Yeah. there. I don't really want to get into that, but. We could really I, end up going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, we, we could just go yeah. down a big rabbit hole, but I, I mean, but it does worry me and it, and it worries me how long it keeps lingering. Yeah. Like, and, and the fear that people have is just, it seems to be getting worse instead of better, despite the fact that statistics are showing that it's getting better. And I, I, I am sad for the world. Like, I'm sad that people are living in fear and it just, it makes me extremely sad because I don't want to live in fear. I'm not living in fear. I want to live. And, and because others are living in fear, I feel forced to live in um, isolation. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a really sad thing that we're, that the world is facing. What do you, what do you think well, about that? Do you think that I think we're...
2: that, well, I don't know. You've probably read about mass hypnosis and all of that. Yeah, and mass
0: trauma. When support. this whole
2: thing first started and you know, after like about a month, I was like, wow, this might be controversial, but I was like, wow, you know, this is psychological warfare. If you go back and read what happened in the past, you know, to keep people scared, to keep them under control. And um, so that's kind of what I've seen <laughs> yeah. and what I've really noticed with people is that whole being in that, there's something about being in fear and being kept in fear. I forget what the statistics are. I think there was some study done in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s, where they told people a lie for two months every day, the same lie over and over and over, then they, they could never convince them that the lie was was a lie. The people were ingrained that that lie was a truth. And, you know, if people would just go out and, and read some of those old studies and look through that stuff, they would really have like kind of a, a hopefully an awakening of some sort because there's a lot of information out there on mass hypnosis and mass thought formation and all that stuff. And it is not a conspiracy theory. It is based in neuroscience. It is based in science, it's based in statistics. It's all right out there and it's available. But, you know, it's kind of, um, sometimes I have to be super careful of what I say to to who, because people get so angry right away. Oh yeah. Wow, you know, I'm just telling you about this thing that I read. I mean, I read it 15 years ago. It's not like this is something that just came out since COVID. No, this is something I learned when I was in college. I studied all this stuff because, and I think I told you this before, you know, I went to school for political science because my parents were both very political and I wanted to understand how the world worked. My mother was a staunch Democrat. My father was a yeah, 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 Republican. And I was like, what is all this? So between the politics and then you're learning about the economy and how the world economies work. I got my, my, um, my minor was in, in Chinese history because I read The Good Earth in the eighth grade and I read other books <laughs> about China. And I was like, I had this feeling that China was gonna be the next big power. And when I wrote about that, when I was in college, the professor said, you know, this is excellent writing, very well researched, but that'll never happen.
0: And look at the world now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so because of all of this stuff, you know, this is just stuff that I've been reading and interested in for years, for my whole life. So it's been kind of interesting watching it all, watching it play out. And like, I decided not to go into politics when I got out of college because I was even offered a fellowship to go into public policy. And I was like, I didn't like the people that were really wanting to go into politics. I didn't like them. And they were not my kind of people. They were not authentic. They were not honest. They had always had an agenda. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'll go find something else to do.
0: Does it feel like sometimes to you that there's an agenda that we're just that none of us are seeing yet with this whole mass trauma of I mean it's a mass trauma it's a mass trauma event yeah yeah Yeah, I'm always saying
2: that I don't understand what the end game is you know what is the end game I have no idea yeah because it's not about an illness that's killed less than two percent of the people that it's gotten and probably that number is way lower than that now that they finally have been admitting that they didn't die of COVID, they died with COVID. They had were killed in a motorcycle accident and they just happened to have COVID. So a market
0: of COVID death, why? Because they get money for every COVID Oh well, Yeah, I mean, there, were, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on at the beginning that was so corrupt that it's it's yeah. hard to use those numbers as justification for anything. Right. But even, even with those numbers, it mm-hmm. still wasn't. I mean, no. look like the CDC like I said, numbers. Like I
2: said, you know, looking at the numbers, like something like 4 million people died of starvation in 2018, 1.9 million people died of tuberculosis in 2017, 2018. That was never talked about. It was declared a pandemic by the CDC, but we didn't talk about it in this country. Why? There wasn't a lot of it in the United States. That's a third world problem. We won't worry about that. Yeah. But, you know, so, you know, who knows? we can all talk about it and people have their opinions, but you know, as Socrates says, opinion is the medium between knowledge and ignorance.
0: True, true. You have to do do your research. I just find it so funny that I will use the exact same numbers, but convert it to being a percentage. And then I'm suddenly this person that's anti-everything and i'm not anti-anything
1: like no me either i'm pro life
0: i mean i'm like pro everybody having a good life
2: let's like come on let's just get out there and go live our lives and yeah get our passions
0: back exactly but it's like the same exact numbers just not the raw numbers in in the statistic form of percent you know it's it's like I, I don't know, I just, I, I've kind of given up and then the rare moments I do speak up and like this is the first time on the podcast we're really talking about it, I guess, you know, and we're not really getting into our deep, deep thoughts, but um, it's just, it's it's been hard, this mass trauma event yeah. that we've been living under, yeah. you know, and, and it's really interesting because in previous parts of history you wouldn't know you were in a mass trauma event. Like we know we're in a mass trauma event. Like we are, we are, we are intelligent enough as a society now to recognize this is a mass trauma event, but yet we don't recognize the problems within it. For some reason, people are seeing the, I like to joke that, or not joke, joke's the wrong word. I like to say that um, people can't see the forest for the trees. So they're right. looking at the trees and not the bigger picture of the forest. And yep. I, of course, have always been a big picture. I see the whole forest and the trees aren't wrong. Right. They're not the whole of the story. <laughs> exactly.
2: And none of us knows the whole of the story. And this is this is the whole thing. Like, and I always, I tell this story a lot with my friends. I, I grew up with a, a girl we were little kids together in kindergarten. And um, when she went to high school, she went to high, she went went to college, she went for virology. And
1: I Wait, remember we what? were
2: like virology. She studied viruses. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. so when we were like 26, 27 years old, we were all having dinner together. And I remember her saying to me, if you ever knew the because she was working in a virus lab, right? She said, if you ever knew what was out there you would never eat, you would never drink, you would never breathe, you would put yourself in a bubble, and you would hold your breath until you were dead, and you would never chew your fingernails. (laughs) I remember that. And, you know, so it's like there's all kinds of horrible things. Our bodies are really meant to fight these things off,
0: you know? Well, and, and I just wonder how did this this particular mutation of the coronavirus, because you know, most people don't realize the coronavirus is just, is, is the common cold. It's just, right. A, right? It, it's one of seven varieties of the common right. cold, yeah. you know, and yes, it, it's a more, uh, I will say it is a more, it more is virulent. a more virulent yeah. and more dangerous version than the, the base version of the common cold, but mm-hmm. more than then the other does not mean the most dangerous thing on the planet, which it's not, yet the media keeps, like, I I don't know, I got something from a politician friend of mine that says, this dangerous disease, and I'm like, how the hell is it dangerous? Like, I just don't see it, I like, I look at the numbers, I'm a statistician type person, I'm a scientist, and I look at the numbers, I read the medical journals, and I don't see the danger, I mean, other than getting sick and not being able to work for a month. And maybe if you're one of the 5% that has a lingering effect. Okay. Like, I get that. I understand Mm -hmm. that. I'm not denying any of that. Right. But it's not a shut the world down and stop life danger. Right. Like,
2: I just was watching just a little while ago. I was just killing like a half an hour. And I started watching a documentary on the Black Plague in the 1600s.
0: Now, that is 99.9% dangerous. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
2: That was like, cause I, I did, I never really read much about the black plague. I was just, you know, it was like, that was a long time ago. I'm not going to worry about that. But um, yeah. So I didn't realize that that was like nearly a hundred percent kill rate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's were, dangerous. And and even today in our modern world, we still don't have a cure for the bubonic plague. Exactly. We have treatments and the and if you get the bubonic plague today, which it still exists in the world, there's no mm-hmm. cure for it, there's no vaccine for it. But if you get the bubonic plague, um, because of treatments and treatments being better, um, it's not quite 99.9% anymore. It's probably about 98% mortality. Oh, lovely. So I mean, it's improved a little bit. <laughs> and and then so it drives me absolutely batty when people go this plague of COVID, and I'm like. Well, first of all, a plague is bacterial, right? A virus is not a, a, a virus is not a plague because a virus is not bacterial. Um, so it's not a plague. Not only that, to be a plague, it has to have a severe death rate, like a high death rate. We're not talking about even a 50, we're talking about like in the 90s percentile to be really a plague. And I'm like, this yeah. is not a, I just had somebody end the friendship with me because she called this a plague and I called her out on it publicly. And yeah. she's like, people were, I had people all over and messaging me and telling me that you were um, wondering what was your problem. And I'm like, my problem It's you're mislabeling something and spreading misinformation and calling this a plague when it's not, and you're in a position of, she's a she's also a politician another I, I know lots of politicians I'm like so what are you doing like how, like seriously so it's not a plague <laughs> you know? right but you know it's about using the scary
2: words like I said oh, it all yeah. goes back to the the neuroscience yeah. of it and the and how they're how that's been manipulated and used to keep people scared I mean and that's just my opinion but yeah, yeah. um that's how I, I feel about it. Just kind of an educated opinion, but still it's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. So well. I like to say that there are interpretations of the facts. We yeah. we are we are trained scientists, we're educated, we are interpreting the facts. We're not denying the same facts, we're interpreting them. With a different outlook based on our experience and our research,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and that doesn't mean we're right or we're wrong, and it doesn't mean the others are right or wrong. It means exactly. That it means that there's truth between all of us, and mm-hmm. and somewhere along the line, the real truth lies. And if we keep shutting down people who have outlying philosophies or interpretations, then we'll never get at the whole of the truth. We'll only see right. the part of the truth that maintains a certain status quo. And this is mm-hmm. how racism existed for so long and still yep. exists. This mm-hmm. is how sexism has existed. This is how oppression in any form has existed, is because we we shut down the forest and only look at a tree.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and, and I really want people to see the forest because the forest is beautiful. Right. Even if it has some ugly trees in it, it's beautiful. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Go
0: to a forest, a real forest, not a metaphorical one.
2: We have a forest behind our house. So when you come here, yeah, because I live here, we live on 15 acres and probably 11 of it is woods. And then all the way around the back and over the side, there's probably about 200 acres worth of woods that belongs to people from New York city and they rarely come here and I'm constantly walk. Everybody walks on everybody's property here. Cause of course we're out in the middle of nowhere, but um, I'm always walking out in the woods. I love it It's where I do my best meditation. So you, you doing, have 11
0: acres, thinking. you have 11 acres of woods. Can I, can I make a little small cabin in the middle of it and, and have no <laughs> electricity or anything and just hide away there for the rest of my life? we had thought about building those the glamping you ever heard of
2: glamping glamp. <laughs> we thought about doing glamping here and we decided not to
0: look no no i don't need it i just a little teeny small cabin with just enough <laughs> space for you know and just you know i i i'll i'll go to the old school writing by hand <laughs> no actually i would need some electricity and running water but anyway, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the thing with the glamping too we said we don't want to Go through all that work it's all um a lot of bedrock and hard rock here a lot of shale too it'd be hard to set it all up but we thought we when we talked about it we thought it might be kind of fun because somebody not too far from here was doing some glamping and i thought oh that's cool but that was before i had thought about really doing more of a wellness center here and having wellness events here because it's not actually a center but we do events here
0: well, tell me what, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. So what is your plan that you're, that you want, but you're working towards getting to tell, that that's,
2: yeah, know. well, what, I, what I'm working to, because like I said, what I was telling you earlier was I like working with groups. That's right. what I enjoy doing. And the, when I wrote, when I wrote my book, Let My Legacy Be Love, it was about look, because I share my story because I've read so many books and they were like I've had this wonderful change in my life but they didn't say how they did it and so I would say okay well that's great and you've got from here to here but how did you do it so when I was writing my book I would share a story and then I would give actual I would go through the steps of what I was able to to understand by looking at that story and by doing that, the neuroscience and everything behind it is you can detach from the story with that kind of understanding. And um, so I was doing a lot of workshops around that. And I was having a lot of fun because I work with a woman who has a mobile smash room. And so the releasing part, we were calling it reveal, release, reclaim. Like the reveal was to understand the root of the story. You keep telling yourself to break out of an old pattern and then we've had the release which people get to break class and the there's an not just break class but to you know say what is my intention i no longer want to feel that i'm stupider than everybody else or whatever and they write that and when they throw it they're saying i'm releasing that so it's like a physical expression of letting it go and then the reclaim was we had like some project where people were basically nurturing this is what I want in my life. This is gone. I've released this. This is what I want. And the whole idea, when we first were doing it, we were doing plants. So people had to water the plant as a reminder to themselves that they were setting up this new pattern. So anyway, Jackie and I were out and we were wicked busy all the time. And then when COVID hit, I thought, oh yeah, yeah, what am I going to do now? So I've developed online classes, which should all be actually online by the spring. But um, last summer, I got a big commercial tent, like a really big tent. And I would have people come here. I did a couple of corporate events and I had, you know, events where there were just not a whole bunch of people because you can only put like 20 people in there to keep the six foot distance. Right. And um So, but what we've done is on the property, we built all walking trails because originally I was thinking I would do writer's retreats here and what better way than to, you know, have people write and sit out on the side yard where it's so pretty with all these huge trees around and walk the trails to think things through. And then I decided that that could be one element of it. And um, we put in a labyrinth And we put in a um, American Indian medicine circle. And that was an interesting story for doing that. Because one day I was doing my own little release ceremony. I was trying to get rid of something. This was a few years ago. And when I finished the ceremony and I opened my eyes, something made me look up and there was an eagle flying over that spot. And I thought, interesting. I think I'll put an American Indian medicine circle here. So, and there's different things around the property so that people can walk around. I just recently learned about forest bathing. Have you ever heard of that? No, this is the first time. I don't really understand it <laughs> either. It's just when I got insurance on the property, the the insurance guy said, You can have forest bathing. And basically what it is, they have certified people giving people forest baths, which basically they're just walking through the woods and meditating. Stop every little while and meditate, from what I understand. There's somebody locally that does it and she's gonna do it here this summer. And Wait, what do um, they
0: do? I mean, like I walk through the forest and meditate. So like, I guess the there's guy? some process. I guess there's a process. Oh there's no. A, there's <laughs> a process to walking through the forest. Oh
1: my. Oh no.
2: <laughs> Anything to make a few bucks for whoever. But um, when I was working on my MBA, this is a funny story I'll just to sidetrack for a second. When I was working on my MBA, 15 years ago or whatever, One of the professors in the class said, goes the world is really run by consultants and people don't understand this. And he said, we run out of work because that's when ISO 9000 came in and it was 9001, then it was 11,000, all this stuff they were doing. He said, when we start running out of work on one thing, then we start something else because we need people to get certified and stuff so that we continue to make money with those certifications. And I thought that was interesting. So when I heard about this forest bathing certification, I thought, what next? So she's gonna come here in the spring and I'll find out more of what it is. But we do events, yoga, you know, breath work, just all kinds of
0: different things that we do. You, re- you realize now when we're done with this conversation, I am going to research forest bathing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding you, I, I have to know more. Um, Yeah, look it up. It's
2: actually kind of interesting. You know, for those of us that live in the woods, we kind of go, yeah, okay, forest bathing. But to to read about it, it's really interesting. It's big in Sweden and countries like that. And it's only recently started coming into the United States. Hmm. And, you know, in this area, there's a lot of city people. And they, they come up here because they love being in the country for that reason. They like forest bathing
0: but i i i i apparently i i may be a forest bather because <laughs> i love the forest and living in the city and in the suburbs i don't get enough forest um, yeah it's funny i can't stand walking but i love hiking oh interesting and Yeah, it, and people go well that's the same thing you're just walking through a forest they go no no hiking is different than it's walking totally- yeah. It's, it's a different. totally different world. And when I'm hiking, I have to have a camera because I don't know what I'll see in the nature and I'll take pictures, you know, but I, I, I'm, it's not about the walking. It's about the nature. So hiking mm-hmm. is, is one of my favorite pastimes because I just yeah. love the nature. And, and like, so I don't like walking on sidewalks and in, you know, in neighborhoods and towns. and yeah, it's Me like, either. And most
2: of my life, I've lived in a country setting. And if it's not country, like for a while, I lived in a big town, but I lived in a forever wild. And um, there was another forever wild on the other side of the road. So I would walk through the woods all around where our development was. And then when I was tired of doing that, I would just go across the road and there was another one, you know, that was only like a half a mile away where I could walk over there. I just love the woods. I find so much inspiration there's yeah. there's just there really is you know a lot of times if i really need to think things something through like something happened a couple of weeks ago and i was really upset and kind of hurt and you know i just spent a few hours just walking around in the woods trying to work my way through my feelings and it's the best place <laughs> to do it for me anyway it's the best place
0: well and, you know one i i'm always reminded of a a, a Theory from undergrad that we read, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was Max Weber's theory, but who knows? Um, I can't keep them all straight at this point. Um, but I I there there's four theoretical paradigms in sociology, and you know we have feminism, which is pretty straightforward, conflict yeah. theory, um, symbolic interactions, which that's you know has to do with interacting with people, and then functionalism. And I generally am not a functionalist, except that I kind of am because Mm -hmm. this this article this this theoretical discussion talked about how the forest as an ecology was interconnected and everything had its function and i love the forest as an example of the real world and that's why i even say you know we're seeing we're we're missing the forest for the trees because we're seeing the parts instead of the whole and with this this I'm, I'm sure it's Weber. I just can't find the art, the actual article to make my students read it. Isn't that so nice? It's lucky for them that I can't find the article. <laughs> um, but so it talks about how, you know, you have the insects that are there to collect the refuse from things too, because that's how they thrive and they eat on that. You have the, the higher end that help maintain population by eating the smaller animals and other things. And you have the trees and you have the the leaves and you have the bushes and you have the grass and and you have the dirt and all of it plays its role in the ecology of the forest. And when you apply that to humanity, we all have a role in life and, you know, we want to function. Now I don't, believe that we don't have change. And, you know, so I'm not just a functionalist, I'm a conflict theorist with interactionistic ideologies in there. So I'm sort of a cross of all four of them, yep. but it's just, there's this truth to the reality that we all have our place and we all have our purpose. And if we're not fulfilling our purpose, then the world is going to have an issue, no matter how micro or macro we get. And right. I just, I, every time I go into a forest, I sit and I look at the individual trees and I look at the individual, you know, flowers and the individual things. And then I step back and look at it all together and how mm-hmm. it just works. It functions. It's just so beautiful. And mm-hmm. I just, I miss being able to go to a forest more often. You know, I, when I, when I, where I was growing up, we were, you know 20 minute drive from Mount Baldy and the mountains look overlooking you know the San Bernardino County and so we could hop in the car and it, technically it was a walking distance there was the end of the Oregon Trail was there so mm-hmm. or at least they proclaimed it was there I'm not sure it was actually the Oregon Trail because <laughs> yeah. um, because I don't know if you're aware the Oregon Trail went to Oregon but then there was a secondary trail that came down from Oregon yeah. to yeah So they 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 claim that where I grew up, that was the end of the trail from Oregon. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it was just it was just fascinating to to walk up there and be you know in Mount Baldy and in the forest and then look down from the mountain into the city, you know. And Mm -hmm. it was just great. I need a forest.
2: Yeah, it really is nice having one right outside the window. (laughs) I keep joking though because I have all bird feeders hanging out here. And this morning they were empty but it was like so below 0 and I I was laughing. I said to my husband the little birds are all out there giving me the middle claw today but it's just too cold. <laughs> I have to go feed the, I got to go buy some more bird food, I think. We're going to dinner with um uh, the grandkids tonight. Uh, so I said after I'll run over to the store and get some more bird food and feed them up tonight. Fill them up tonight. So tomorrow morning when they come looking for the feeders, they'll say, oh, look at she, yeah, there's one there right now. He's digging around. There's nothing in here.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm making uh, tacos for dinner for my best oh, friend yeah. coming down from Milwaukee. And then tomorrow where we have tickets to a show in the town where we met and where we went to, well, he went to grad school. I went to college. So we're having a day in DeKalb tomorrow and we're going oh, nice. to go to lunch at my favorite Chinese place and dinner at the, the place that has the best beer nuggets on the planet. And we're just going to experience a little bit of life the way it's supposed to be with a mask or a face covering on.
2: <sighs> uh, well, you know,
0: <laughs> hopefully I will this will tonight. be the end
2: of it. You know, they're starting to dump it in other countries. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed here.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll unfold as it unfold supposed to, and I'll do what I have to, to, to protect so long as it doesn't hurt me in the process.
2: Right, exactly. And
0: that's, you know, so finding that balance has been fun. Yep. And this conversation has been fun. more fun. Real fun, not the fun that's sarcastic fun, like. No, but actually very fun. (laughs) I
2: love to be I, able to have conversations where you're covering a whole bunch of stuff and yeah so I'm exploring it
0: and I don't think that we were disrespectful of of any side of this this whole Merlue that we're in
2: but I, I don't, think we, I, yeah I don't believe so either I you know because I'm always I just I'm just saying what I've learned you know what I've read and and a lot of it is not new knowledge. It's knowledge that I've had for 15, 20, 25
0: years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, but this has been great. And I'm glad we finally got to do it. And, and I, yeah. hope, I hope you guys as listening have enjoyed the conversation. Even if you don't agree with everything we've said, um, that's okay. You're not, you don't have to agree with what we say. And, right. and, and you don't have to um, like what we've said. But I hope you respected it, just as we respect you, as exactly. our listeners, and as people with um, opinions based in whatever or however you get your information. Exactly. On that note, we are running low on time because we we we, I, I, we were only supposed to talk for a half hour, and it's going on yeah, an how long hour. long have
2: we been? Taught? It's got to be an hour now. Yeah, it's going on an I hour. I know it's because I didn't eat lunch, and I'm
0: getting super hungry. It's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. so, uh, so you're going to get an episode all by yourself, Woo-hoo! Hey. <laughs> uh, but, um, I really, really loved having this conversation in a way for listeners to digest. Is there any last thoughts you would like to share with, um, with me in our conversation or with our listeners who yeah. are, you know, just in general, it's, to
2: try to turn all some of these negative thoughts, positive, everybody is, there's, there's always a way to do it. And it's all about just trying to be happier in life, like finding your way to a happier moment, counting people call them blessings. I call them wins the little things in life that can that make every day better. I mean, it's really what it is.
0: Yeah. And if somebody wanted to find you, like, where would they look to track you down? Yeah, they can
2: track me down on my website, Let My Legacy Be Love, or I'm very active on LinkedIn under Christina Beauchemin, and that's B-E-A-U-C-H-E-M-I-N. And my book is around here someplace. That book, Let My Legacy Be Love, back there. That's available in bookstores and on Amazon. So, and it's also available on my website.
0: (laughs) Well, that's where they find you is on on your website. So I I just want to say thank you for joining me. And I hope someday you'll come back on the show for another conversation. We'll see. And that'd be fun. (laughs) This was a really fun conversation. It was like, we always have, just so you guys know, we always have fun conversations and we have actually, planned like three times to record and got together and talked for an hour and a half and went, we forgot to record a conversation. Exactly. So, and actually even today we talked for an hour and then we turned the recording on (laughs) because we just like each other. And that's And having good conversations with people, even if you don't always agree, is just what the world is about and what this podcast is about. Yeah, that's perfect. I want to say thank you for listening. And after the break, you will hear whatever song we've picked for today's episode, and hope that you have a beautiful, beautiful day, because you
1: are all beautiful. Dojo-kun character books are fun fictional children's picture books with the right amount of weirdness and character building. And the can do karate kid Makoto brings laziness and procrastination with him everywhere. That is, until he realizes these monsters are ruining his life. This book helps kids learn to defeat laziness and procrastination by using karate power. And the two true karate kids, friends Makoto and Michi, both want a dog. When one of them cannot have a dog, the dishonesty monster pushes them apart. This book helps children fight dishonesty and value honesty. And the follow through karate kids, Makoto and Michi dream of painting a mural at their dojo. But every time the kids move toward their goal, the quitting monster attacks. This book helps kids learn to use hard work and perseverance to achieve goals. Learn more at jennifertolgogger.com or order at Amazon, amazonbarnesandnoble.com or at bookstores.
0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Bonnie Jean Alford, the identity guru host of Life's a Blank. And yes, you're listening to an ad for my own show during my show. Ah, I've become that person, how crazy. I want everybody to listen, to enjoy the show, but also consider contacting us to ask a question for our segment on Ask the Expert, or suggest a guest, or be a guest yourself. Reach out to us at asktheexpert at theidentityguru.net, A-S-K-T-H-E-E-X-P-E-R-T at theidentityguru.net. So reach out, contact us, check out our past episodes, and enjoy life every single day. And of course, listen to Life's a Blank.
1: Deep down into your soul, and I lead you past your demons, past your goals.